Welcome to episode 94 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I am breaking it down today for you, a solo show all about learner engagement. This is a hot topic. Every year, I do a survey of my email list, which is about 30,000 of you. And the number one drumroll please, pain point or what we're really struggling with in supporting our students and planning our therapy sessions is learner engagement. So today I am going to share with you one of my top favorite stories, case studies of a student and learner engagement and how it has grown miraculously over the past year. And I'm also going to share my top 10 strategies. Let's get right on into it. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Feel like I haven't done a solo show in a while, so I'm excited to spend some time with you. And I wanted to start before I get into the 10 strategies for learner engagement. I wanted to tell you a little bit of a case study of a student that I've been working with for the past year. I started working with a four-year-old autistic client who lives here in my hometown. And I will never forget, I was prepping for my first session with this client, and his parents were thrilled to find out that they live just five minutes for me, which is always such a joy because I get a lot of messages and emails from people that live all over the world. And I can't necessarily serve all of those people because of licensure and things like that. So I'm prepping for my first session. I'm pouring over my therapy materials, aka my kids' old toys. We have a finished basement. My husband's always wanting me to get rid of stuff, but I always tell him, honey, these are my therapy materials. Anything can be made into a therapy material. And so I'm getting together Melissa and Doug activities, bubbles, you name it, farm toy, light up ball. I think my client is going to love all of these. Let's call this client Adam for today. I get to the house. I ring the bell. His mom greets me. Adam is also there, but he has a little toy car. He doesn't look at me, doesn't acknowledge me. I talk with his mom, dad, and sister is there on this particular day. And his parents are very concerned because he has a new diagnosis of autism and he's not yet talking and they're worried about his communication. Now, after I chat with them, I think to myself, okay, I'm going to start with bubbles. Everybody loves bubbles. I start to blow the bubbles, pop, pop, pop. I'm doing all my speech things, and Adam doesn't even come over. Okay, no problem. Let's try the farm animals, and I know I'm going to pair it with a song. Nobody can resist my old McDonald and my singing voice. He comes over for about 15 seconds, grabs one of the farm animals, and off he goes. Kind of one of the hard things about seeing kids in their home environment is we're working with the whole the whole living room space. We go on for the entire session just like this. He's not really engaged, didn't really love any of the materials that I brought. I go back the next week. I know what I'm going to bring. I'm going to bring Pete the cat and Play-Doh. Who can resist Pete the cat. So on this session, our second session, Adam is engaging for a little bit longer. He seems to like Pete the cat. I'd say he's engaging for about 30 seconds. We kind of go on like this. On about my fourth session, the parents say, when 
will you work on him talking? Oh, okay. I start telling them I'm really using applied behavior analysis and speech therapy to have more of a play-based session and something that we are working on that's going to increase learner engagement, that is going to increase his ability to communicate is joint attention. And so I provide a lot of parent coaching on what is joint attention, why is it so important, how this is going to be a foundation for more complex communication skills. Now, I'm 43. I'll just tell you, just told the world I'm 43, but 23-year-old me, if a parent would have said, why aren't you working on something more structured? Why aren't you sitting at the table? I would have been really nervous and I would have gotten out flashcards and I would have done something that's more structured. But now that I'm 43 and I really have been digging into the research on joint attention, I feel more confident, but I'm still kind of nervous. Okay, when is Adam going to talk? He was definitely the type of client who would let me know instantly with his actions if he loved something or if he thought it was super boring and not worth his time. Not sure if you've met a client like this. So in my next session, after I talk with the parents and I'm doing some parent coaching, I drive over, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. I'm not sure that his parents see the progress that Adam is making, even though every session he's engaging for a little bit longer. So this therapy session starts and on this therapy session, I bring mini objects. Oh yeah, mini objects. That's right. On this day, I bring the mini objects. I have them in a little bag. To this point, Adam still has not said too much. He's not really talking. He's not really acknowledging me all too much when I'm coming over to the door. He has his little toy car in his hand. Engaging is fleeting. His engagement is fleeting. So on this day, I have my mini objects. I put them in the bag. I shake, shake, shake. And I have a toy. He puts his hand in there. He pulls out his own toy. And it's a shoe. And he was so excited about this. He held it up. And he said, shoe. It was the first word that he said during our sessions, and we were so excited. It was such a joy to hear that little voice. And his mom was excited. His sister and his dad was there too. It was during the summertime. So she gave him a big hug. And it was in that moment that I realized Adam had started his journey to communication. He was communicating with the world. And when we realized that these small steps, every session, I was feeling a little nervous. I was feeling a little defeated, even though he was engaging for 15 seconds and then 30 seconds. And then I brought the mini objects on about the fifth session. And that's where his communication really started to be spontaneous. He started to engage in more activities. And it was really amazing to see that type of growth. And so I know that that is a pain point for so many of us. How can I support my autistic learners? How can I have my students engage in therapy? And so for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, I'm going to share my top 10 tips for learner engagement. Here we go, breaking it down. Number one, start with something fun that your student enjoys. Now, this is going to be different for every single person. On my first sessions, when I was talking about Adam, I thought, okay, he's going to love the farm toy. I mean, who doesn't love that? Okay, he's going to love bubbles. Well, you know what? He didn't. 
He didn't love that stuff. If you're struggling with what your student loves and enjoys, I have a preference assessment on the blog. You can go right on there, look up preference assessment, and it gives you a list of things that your student may love and enjoy. Sometimes we get into a rut. We're like, these are the toys I have. I hope my clients like them because this is it. I'm not saying we need to go out and buy a bunch of new stuff. I like to repurpose things. So like I said, I go down into my basement and my kids are getting older, so they don't play with a lot of their toys anymore. And so I take them and I repurpose them for speech therapy because everything can be a therapy toy. So number one, start with something that your students love and enjoy. Number two is work on shared activities. Work on, now I interchangeably will say joint attention and shared activities. I know that is not exactly the same thing, and I'm not trying to say that it is, but I do a lot of parent training, and so I like to be jargon-free. So this means I'm doing an activity with my client. We're doing it together, and I'm keeping it simple on that level because when we have a student who is maybe not wanting to come to therapy, who is engaging in unsafe problem behavior that's a barrier, who is not engaging in your activities, this is where we need to start. We need to start in shared activities that our learner enjoys. And this is where we have to be detectives. This is kind of the joy of therapy and one of the challenges because every single student is different. Now, if this is a younger learner, let's do a play-based activity. One of my students loves letters. So I brought over a puzzle that was the entire alphabet, and we did it across their living room. It was a fun shared activity because they love the alphabet, and then I was there too. So it was great for that shared engagement, that social engagement. I would give the student the pieces, and they would put the puzzle together. The first time that we did that puzzle, because it was kind of a big puzzle, every letter of the alphabet, I would gesturally prompt to where pointing, I would point to where that puzzle piece goes to make it easy. We want it to be fun. We don't want it to be hard. Another thing that I've done with students is to feed the toy animals. So another thing that I've repurposed is my mom brought up my old Beanie Babies. Does anybody remember what a Beanie Baby is? If you're in your 20s, you probably don't know, so you might need to ask, but they're small stuffed animals. And so we would feed the toy animals. I had a client who loved stuffed animals, and we would bring them. I'd bring them out of the bag, make it super fun, and then we would feed the different animals. Another... uh activity that I've done is the mini objects. So when Adam said shoe for the first time, that was such a joyous moment. And something that I love, love is mini objects. Now you can get these on Amazon or Etsy. I have a nice set from Lake Shore Learning, which actually there's a physical store here in my uh, area in Ohio. And so what I do with the mini objects is I try to make it fun and I shake, shake, shake in the bag. And I either pick one out for the student If it's hard for them to just pick one, or I let them put their hand in and pick out one object as well. I actually even do that for teletherapy. And believe it or not, kids love that. Even over teletherapy, they really enjoy that activity. Okay, number three is another shared activity. This one is a book. 
let's use books for our students. Now, you may say, I was on a webinar. When was that? Actually, on Monday, I did a nice talk for OSpeak, which is a cool conference in a group here in Ohio for school-based speech therapists and audiologists, I believe. And I was talking all about foundational skills, which I love, and connecting. It was a cool conference because it was hybrid, and then there were people online too. So it was cool, about 100 people. I love connecting that way. Somebody said, I have a student that doesn't like books at all. I would say, let's think about how we're using those books. Now, when I brought Pete the Cat the first time to Adam's house, he, about a year ago, he didn't really engage. He engaged for about 15 seconds. I got my Pete the Cat book out and said, we're going to read about Pete. This is my buddy, Pete the Cat. And I started and I could go on and on. I love Pete the Cat. (laughs) And he left after about 15 seconds. And I said, that's okay. I told the parents, I can't make him sit with me. That's not how speech therapy works, at least in my my private practice, it doesn't. And so I want to be excited for the book. Now, these are some tips. No matter what book you choose, you should be energetic if your learner likes that. Most, most little ones do. You got to read the room. If you're working with older students, still can use books and whatever works for your student, you want to use simple language. If you have a book and there's five sentences on the page and you know your student is not going to be there for all five, they're going to be up running around, just use one sentence. It is okay for you to modify the story. If you're reading something that's simplistic like Pete the Cat or Brown Bear or Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, where everybody knows those stories and kids become familiar with the routine, I wouldn't mess with those stories. But let's say you have a Clifford book or you have a Splat the Cat book or whatever you have readily available in your therapy room, be energetic, modify the story. You don't have to read the entire thing. Reminds me of when my husband used to do nighttime stories for our kids. I love my husband and he's great and he does bedtime oftentimes, but he would read the entire story (laughs) and the kids would be like, this this isn't how mom reads it because I try to modify things and keep things, keep it moving. I would also share with you to make sure that you're using your own voice. I love things like Epic. I love things like YouTube. But when I am reading a story with a student to work on learner engagement, it's all about me, my student, and the book. I would use my own voice. This is a time to have that social engagement. Okay, number four, we're moving on. This is one more shared activity I have to tell you about, and that is using a song. A song. Now, you may be saying, Rose, Rose, what song should I use? I do have some favorites. I'm not going to lie. I have some favorites. I actually made a TikTok about Wheels on the Bus, which actually got quite a few views. Thank you. Thank you for all your love and support on my short form video on TikTok and Instagram. But I do love Wheels on the Bus. And basically, when I am thinking about learner engagement, I'm thinking about songs that have motions. Songs that have motions are great because. If a student is not yet speaking, that is a way for them to participate. This is a way to make it a shared activity. 
These are great too, because if you're working in the classroom, you're able to model it for the teacher or a para pro or a registered behavioral technician, whatever your environment is. Or if you're doing home-based, like I'm doing, I'm still doing home-based, have a couple clients still. I still enjoy therapy so much. It's hard for me to give that up. I am modeling it for parents, for siblings. It's a nice way to show how we can work on communication. It also allows us to get a little more bang for our buck because we're also working on imitation, which is one of those foundational skills that I talk about quite a bit in our ASHA and ACE course, Start Communicating Today. Oh, it's a great one. Now, whatever song you're picking, think about motions. I'm going to tell you some of my favorites. I love Wheels on the Bus. I love Five Little Monkeys. I try to get out. I have one little sock monkey, repurposed toy. I use it for that. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Old McDonald. Those are some of my go-tos. Itsy Bitsy Spider. And actually, probably not when this episode airs, but probably in the next month or so, I have a new material coming out on Teachers Pay Teachers, which is a website where you can get materials. And it is going to be with these songs because I talk about it a lot. And I have some old laminated black and white photos that I made about 14 years ago down in Austin, Texas. And I know that you want something better than that. So I had my designer make something and we're going to be posting that on TPT in the next month or two. But make sure you get on my email list if you're not, because usually I run a sale for those first 24 to 48 hours. I do also have for some of these songs, I have Velcro where you can take off a, the old McDonald's. So I have the cow and the horse and we we can manipulate it and put it on the farm. You don't have to have those things. You can just have yourself and just do the motions. But I like to interchange with some of those visuals. And so if you're into the Velcro and and making all the nice therapy materials, we're going to have something for you soon. On to number five, analyze when your student needs a break. This is so important. We have to be detectives. I think this is hard. It was hard for me as a school-based clinician to be 110% into a session because there are so many barriers to good therapy. It's an IEP meeting. It's a parent observation. It's a parent who's upset. It's a meeting with a lawyer and an advocate. It's some teacher I need to get something to. There's a lot of barriers to good therapy. It's a little bit easier for me in my private practice to hone in on the student. But thinking about when does your student need a break? Now, if you're working in an ABA center, you may have a student who has a plan and it tells you exactly how long to work and it tells you exactly how long to do these things. But most of us probably are just going to be interacting with our student and ebbing and flowing and seeing when they need a break. So can the student during their break time play with sensory toys? I have poppets. I have light up balls. Can they jump on a mini trampoline? That's very fun. Movement feels great. For my older students, when I was working in a school, I used that school building as my therapy office. Go for a walk. Get up. Go talk to the school administrative assistant. We had a a really lovely police officer that worked in our building, and everybody was very inclusive. It was a great, a great district to work in. So get up, walk around, get some movement. Kids need to get up. Especially for my older learners, I always try to make sure that I'm doing therapy in the larger school 
environment. I think especially for students, middle school, high school, that's so very, very important. Okay, on to number six. Here we go. What are the goals? Now, this is the idea with learner engagement. I'm going to go. I'm going to start my therapy session. I'm going to work on joint attention, whether that means we're going to do books, play, songs. We're going to do things like that. We are going to see if our student needs a break. Okay. These are all things that are going to help increase our learner engagement. Now, this point in the session, we're going to do targeted IEP goals. Everybody has an IEP probably that's listening and you're thinking about a student and now you're like, okay, Rose, I need to work on labeling. I need to work on filling in the blanks. This is the time in the session where you're going to target those IEP goals. We kind of warmed up with our something fun, our joint attention. Maybe we need a break now. Now we're going to do some IEP goals. We're kind of easing into the session. My one bit of advice here is have all your materials ready to go. I know that sounds very simplistic from me sitting here in my home office and telling you this, but I know that's hard. You've got lots of different kids all on your caseload, and it's hard to have everything set. But the students that are having trouble with engagement, we really need to make sure that we are 110% focused on having those materials ready to go. Okay. Number seven is making sure that we're taking data. How long has your student engaged in the activities? So when I tell you that when I saw Adam and the first time that I met him, he really didn't engage with me much at all. He just had his toy car, didn't look up. When I brought Pete the cat, he engaged for about 15 seconds and then he was off. He was he was galloping around the living room. If you're in home health, you you hear me here. And now a year later, I bring Pete the cat and he can fill in the blanks. He can tell me the colors. It's been so amazing to see his castration, to see his engagement increase that much. But I knew it had increased because I've been taking that data. We need to know where we're at with our students data-wise. How long are they engaging for? It may seem super fleeting to you, but maybe it's 30 seconds. And then maybe in a month after you start implementing these strategies, it is a minute or it's three minutes. And that is a lot of growth. That is a lot of growth. So take that data and be specific because you may have a parent that's saying, well, I think we need to sit at the table and I think we need to do flashcards. And you might say, well, your child is four and I don't think that that's most appropriate. And we can get into philosophical discussions, but what we can't argue about as much is data. We need to take the data. Is your therapy, your intervention, like mine, is a little play-based and a little structured? That's how I do things typically. Is this helping the student? Are they making progress? Is communication growing? And we can take that data and show that to the team because oftentimes our students are going to have very large teams. On to strategy number eight, get up and moving. And this is for learners of all ages. 
Now, I think that when we get up and moving, whether it's a student who might want to walk around the clinic, if you're seeing them in a clinic, or if you're working in a really cool place and they have an OTPT room and you can go visit and do a bouncy ball, or maybe you're working like I did in a non-public program and we had a gym, it was so cool. I'm not going to sit in my office for 30 minutes, 55 minutes, whatever your session is. Nobody wants to sit for that long. So we need to get up. We need to get moving. And that's going to be up to you on what is most appropriate. I also like to say, utilize staff in that way. If you are a speech language pathologist and you're working with a student who isn't engaging a whole lot, who maybe is eloping or leaving the teaching area, make sure that you're advocating for having somebody with you, if at all possible, so that you are safely able to get up and move throughout the building with your students. Safety first. first. Okay, on to number nine, what does your student love? What does your student love? I enjoy so much doing live webinars for you. And when I ask questions in the chat and you just light up the chat with your students' favorite things, that is so fun for me to see what your students love. Thinking about your students, how can you incorporate what they really love into your sessions? If they love the alphabet, maybe you do an alphabet puzzle like I talked about. Maybe you do Chicka Chicka Boom Boom because that's a book and it's all about the alphabet. Maybe for your song, you sing the alphabet song. And I'm going to spare you today my singing voice, okay? I'm not going to go there today. I'm sure that I've been doing that on other episodes. And, and I apologize, by the way. Okay, number nine, what does your student love and enjoy? And how can you embed that into the sessions? That's going to be very, very important. Now, number 10, we're here. This is it. Where do you see the student? This is important for learner engagement. And I'll tell you, every student is different. I had some students that I would see in the classroom because they had a work area in the classroom where they did academic tasks. That's where I would see them for speech therapy. Now, this one particular student I'm thinking of had a dedicated one-on-one -on -one staff due to having some unsafe problem behavior, which was nice for me because I built a rapport with the paraprofessionals in a school district. And I really enjoyed and loved working with the students so much and miss so much. I don't know if you know, but in May, I stepped away from being a school-based speech therapist after 20 years to focus on ABA speech, which has been great, but I do miss I do miss my friends at work and I do miss the kids. So this one particular student I would see in the classroom, which was nice because I built rapport with the staff. I could do some things with him. He was in middle school, so I could do some things that were very structured, but then we would utilize the larger school environment and we would do different programs out in the building, which was great because for older students, especially, we have to get out of the therapy room. I'll repeat that. We have to get out of the therapy room. We really need to generalize those skills to the natural environment. And so this was a way that was really great for this student to increase his engagement because we were doing some stuff in the classroom and then we were getting up and we were going into the larger school environment and then we were coming back to the classroom. So thinking about our service delivery, how and where we're seeing the student. 
I had another student who couldn't focus in the main classroom. And so this student was on a pretty rigorous behavior plan implemented by an outside BCBA consultant. And I had a paraprofessional that would come with the student up to my speech therapy office, which wasn't huge by any stretch of the imagination, but it was nice. And it was, there was no distraction up there. It was pretty quiet. And so for this student, that helped that student have more learner engagement. And so I really analyzed that for each student. Wow, we did it. We got through all. 10 strategies. I'm so happy that you tuned in today. And I hope that you have a student that you're thinking about, that you want to help them start communicating. And the way that we start communicating is we utilize these strategies to increase our relationships with our students and to increase our learner engagement. And that is going to help all of our students find their voice. I am going to also in the show notes today, leave the link for our ASHA approved course called Start Communicating Today. This is our five hour course all about helping younger students start communicating. It's an ASHA course, which is great for speech therapists. It is also an ACE course, which is great for BCBAs. So if you're working with toddlers, preschool age students who are having difficulty communicating, having difficulty engaging with yourself or other peers, this is a course that you will want to take. I have had a great time chatting with you today, and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.